And welcome to the March 8th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco. You can call me John, and I am joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the king of the gaming court, the courtside king, Joey. What's up, buddy? Doing well, sir. We are back. We took a week off last week with some travel and such going on, but there has been a lot happening in gaming, John. I feel like this week in particular, uh, at least Monday through Wednesday so far, has really been popping. This weekend, we had a big Valorant tournament. This week, we have Starfield news, possibly Counter-Strike 2 news. I just feel like a lot is kind of starting to come out here in March as we approach spring. Yeah, uh, it, it's been crazy. Uh, last week was was a, a nice break while you were on the beaches of Cancun. <laughs> Some of us were back here freezing in the ever-changing weather that is the DMV uh, here in the nation's capital. Because uh, one day it was 40, the next day it was 70, and the next day it was 22. It was awful. Uh, but, Joey, you, you have a nice little suntan. You're looking gorgeous. Welcome back to Level Up. We missed you. Yeah, glad to be <laughs> back. Glad to talk gaming. Nation. I will say it was very hard to cover gaming news out of the country. So with limited cell service here and there, I wasn't able to keep up as well with last week's news. But this week has been a lot refreshing in that area, I guess you can say. Uh, just able to refresh the browser a little bit easier and find the hottest news once it hits those feeds. Right, tell me the Wi-Fi in, in, in Mexico was, was not, you know, we're, we're not going to go there. Nation, <laughs> make sure you follow the show because the sh well, I mean, the show did technically. Half the show went to, to Mexico, but it's fine. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. That is at LVLUP Live. That's Level Up Live. And while you're on Twitter, make sure you give Joey a follow when he is not traveling the world looking for ancient relics of the forgotten past. You can follow him on Twitter at Courtside King and myself at Fiasco if you're here on Twitch. First off, what's up? You found the place to be. This is the best place to experience the live show. Those handles are below the mugshots you're currently staring at. If you listen to the podcast version of the show later on down the road, check out the show notes. They're down there for you as well. And Nation, speaking about the podcast, did you know, while, yes, Twitch is the place to be, we understand you're busy. We understand you have lives. You're on the go. It's completely cool. Check out the Level Up podcast now available on your podcatcher of choice. Extra credit as always. Joey will tickle your feet if you sub to OTN Media on Twitch using that spicy Twitch Prime, Amazon Prime, Gaming Prime sub, whatever they're calling it. Or if you really want to spend $4.99 on us, you can do that, too. We would love that. And Joey would love to tickle your feet because of it. Uh, John, uh, what is your reward to your giveaway by chance, then, if we're throwing out feet things here? It was, it was on Patreon, Joey. We shut our Patreon down. We have to relaunch oh, that if, we, if we're going to gotcha. have Patreon. Yeah, remember, the deal was I did the Patreon. Um, it's still a family show, so I can't say what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I did the Patreon tomfoolery, if you will. You are solely Amazon. Why? Uh, because just, you know what? That's, I can't make that joke either. Family-friendly show. Joey, what are we talking about today on the show? Absolutely, guys. Over the next hour, we are touching on Counter-Strike 2 and the rumors surrounding that that could come as early as this month. We have new updates on Redfall and Starfield from the Xbox side of things. Paradox Interactive gave us a new look 
at some of their upcoming games in a recent showcase. Hogwarts Legacy put out one of those Cyberpunk 2077 size patches today with over 100 bug fixes and such in the mix. We have new news on Game Pass games coming this month in March. PlayStation, their recent update brought Discord to the system as well. As a few other changes that we'll touch on there. We have some existing games getting some big updates. Halo Infinite, Sea of Thieves, League of Legends, Valorant, and more on that front. And on top of that, Valorant had a big esports tournament this past weekend. Some of the best FPS esports action in recent years with Valorant lock in Sao Paulo. So we'll be touching on that one as well. All right, Joey, we have a ton of topics to get to, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Before we can do that, it's time for the drink of choice. Joey, you had one week to plan for this. If you do not have uh, tequila from Mexico, at least, that you smuggled back into the United States of America, I am going to be very, very disappointed in you. Well, sir, get that disappointment ready. I actually forgot to grab anything to drink. Oh, no. uh, I have a little bit of leftover water over here, um, but I did drink plenty of tequila last week. Uh, tequila in Mexico definitely hits differently. Uh, I had both <laughs> clear and golden. Uh, I don't know if I'd had golden tequila very much before. I typically Reposado? lean toward the clear side, um, but overall pretty good. Uh, Reposado is my favorite kind of, of tequila. That, that would be the golden kind. There, mm. um, yeah, very good, very good. In fact... I Got some right there. Over, so yeah, I, I'm not gonna go grab because I have to like get up and walk around. Uh, Joey, I will carry the show today. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, people of all ages. This is a glass of sweet tea. Uh, oh yeah, uh, nothing too fancy. Technically, Virginia, if you go by the Mason-Dixon line, is the South. Um, in Northern Virginia, it definitely doesn't feel like it, but sweet tea is always good. So I have sweet tea, Joey, and uh, Joey has a glass of emptiness. But something that is not empty is today's show. So, Joey, we have a ton of topics. We are overflowing, if you will. So let's get into gaming and esports news presented by Gamer Bites. Bite-sized gaming and esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today if you are here in Twitch. Take a look at that chat. The link is right there. If you listen on the podcast, it's in the show notes for you below. Hit that link, get caught up, and be in the know for all the gaming and esports news. Joe, let's hop into gaming and esports news. Let's go! Absolutely. We're going to kick it off with Counter-Strike. John, this is one of those mystery Valve projects that people have kind of hinted could be in the works for years now. Uh, It's one of those, like, the next Half-Life. Let's speculate it over and over and over, and you hear about it for years. Does Valve actually have something in the works? Well, according to Richard Lewis, as well as Gabe Follower, They have started to find some code as well as some upcoming conversations that will eventually come out to the public, I'm sure. Uh, Richard Lewis put together a nice article, though, over on his Substack, kind of breaking down what Gabe Follower found in the coding of CSGO, as well as some of those conversations that he has had behind the scenes. It does sound like, at least according to these two, that there is something working on that front that's going to bring a new Counter-Strike game to Source 2, and that should allow for an updated graphics on a game that's over a decade old at this point. But John, that decade-old game, it just broke its concurrent player record this past month in February. Absolutely insane numbers for a game that old. We've seen League of Legends do it after a decade of keeping the player count up there, Counter-Strike Global Offensive being the other one that has done that. And there's a few other popular games here and there that have been able to grow their player count. But for something that level, something as high as a player count as a League of Legends in CSGO, to continue to hit new concurrent records is insane. And now on top of that, you might switch it over to a new game with refresh graphics 
in an age where a lot of people are kind of looking around for that next game. Fortnite has, has its highs. Uh, you've seen Warzone with Call of Duty do pretty well here and there. Rocket League had a little time toward the top. But overall, nothing has really found its firm footing to be able to dethrone a Minecraft, a League of Legends as of late. Uh, and really, in the case of FPS, CSGO, Valorant has definitely made some name pulling some esports pros over there and also pulled some from the Overwatch League scene as well. But overall, Counter-Strike just continues to be that top contender. And now the new game possibly coming out, could they steal some players and fans back from the Valorant side again as well? Possibly. I mean, I mean that that's the one thing I've always been impressed with with CSGO is for a game that hasn't been graphically updated in forever, it still does incredibly well. And it really kind of goes against the narrative that it, games are about graphics. It's about what you can see. When in reality... A good, well-polished game that executes well is really all gamers care about. Like, yes, I'm a World of Warcraft player. Do I enjoy the graphic updates that we got in Cataclysm? Yes. Do I enjoy the graphic updates we got in Legion? Yes. Do I enjoy the brand new cinematics that don't look like cartoon characters the entire time, that actually have some texture and some 3D to it? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I just want the game that plays well. Simple as that. That's what, CS, uh, that's what CSGO does. Um, but if you can keep that, if you can keep that consistency, if you can keep that reliability that CSGO has and upgrade the graphics at the same time, then you open the door to other gamers that actually do care about the graphics that say, I don't want to play this game because it's old graphically and I want something that's appealing to look at while I'm playing. Again, a fine argument as well. If this is real, if this comes to fruition, if we're seeing this code and it comes out that CS csgo 2 is a thing uh then i i think you have the right to be happy and i do think valorant would probably need to worry a little bit i mean an establish if, if csgo 2 is an absolute flop obviously valorant has nothing to worry about other than possibly taking out another server room because they're gonna have more players um but you know if csgo is able to pull this off if this is real, if it comes to fruition, updated graphics, same reliability and gameplay, it's going to be great for the esports scene, and it's going to be great for CSGO. And I think you hit on a big point there, right? Like, so many Twitter fanboys want to argue for graphics. Last of Us has better graphics. Forza Horizon has better graphics. And it just goes back and forth between them. But overall, I mean, that is the big key, right? It's gameplay. If the game feels good, if the game feels fun, if you can jump into it with a group, if you can play it solo... If it has all those abilities for you just to play for hours on end, then it really doesn't matter how great it looks overall for most players. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people, at least on the vocal side of the gaming community, kind of lose sight of. Because you can have hundreds of thousands of players. I mean, League of Legends, I don't even know. Last I checked, it was like over 100 million monthly users. And League doesn't look bad. But it's also not the most graphically photorealistic s type of game. And it's not really meant to be, right? Like, it's fantasy. It played on really choppy graphics for most of its 10 years. Uh, now it has got a recent update in uh, three or four years ago. I feel like maybe even five at this point. And it got its little facial overlift. And it looks much better. But again, it's still not the highest graphically really just MOBA in general, game in general out there, but pulling in the crazy numbers that it does every single month. And you can say the same thing with CSGO against Valorant. Valorant's pulling in some nice player numbers. CSGO still continues to really dwarf those in comparison uh, just with how many it's able to pull in month over month, even with these older graphics. So you do get those nicer graphics. You get those nicer tick servers. They're looking at supposedly 128 tick servers, uh, which would be a huge improvement as well, uh, especially when it comes to those games where it's those quick flick animations. 
where it's really those fast movements that have to click really quickly. Uh, and tick servers are going to be such a big impact there. So more ticks equals more fluid movement, which equals more accurate clicking and as times as well uh, once those hit the server versus the user and the host. So I think there's a lot of really cool things to look forward to. Uh, face it is another whole thing to keep in mind here. The CSGO matchmaking was so bad that a lot of pros have gone to other websites like Faceit uh, to kind of run the pro-level matchmaking or the official matchmaking for them. If Valve is able to come out here with a nice anti-cheat, to come out here with a nice uh, kind of, I don't know if you do an MMR-basing type of pro system or what they're going to end up changing it to, um, but whatever they can put in there to possibly replace Faceit could be another huge move. Uh, the Marketplace... There is so much money that gets thrown around in CSGO that I don't think people realize around like knife skins and shotgun skins and such. If they can find a way to implement a marketplace that uh, I know NFT is kind of a bad word to go with with gamers at right now. Um, but if you can implement other ways of buying and paying for things, uh, whether that's NFTs, whether that's PayPal, Venmo, whatever it may be, I think some further integrations there outside of just the Steam client could open that whole marketplace up to a whole bunch more potential than it currently has as well. So there's a lot of different ways they could go with this and a lot of particular features they could bring in. I think graphics is the big thing a lot of people are looking at. The server is probably number two. But I think don't stop thinking at that as well. There is endless potential here, uh, especially with who knows how long this has been in the works at Valve. It could be years. Uh, and it could be right around the corner, like people are suggesting with a beta sometime late March, early April. Uh, but it could still be farther down the line. Maybe it's a closed beta that everyone has to sign NDAs and it's only content creators for now. We really don't 100% know because it is kind of uh, a rumor mill type of thing, I guess. There's some whispers here and there. Uh, you obviously have the code stuff that was pulled by Gabe Follower. But overall, there's still a lot of people in the dark, including ourselves. But it is an interesting possibility, and I would definitely try it out if it does launch. Anything else to say on CSGO 2? Nope. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> Yeah, Squirkle in chat saying Source 2 isn't that big of a change, really just updating dated infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big thing, right? Like, I think graphics are something that people are looking at, but the infrastructure is another big thing, and I think that's somewhat where those 128 tick servers will come into play a little bit as well. Um, but just cleaner code equals a smoother experience. You can pull in those people, whether it be the graphic update, you can pull them in if it feels better, like John was mentioning, and I think that would be the way I would lean as well. Um, but overall, definitely some potential with Source 2 and CS go to if it ends up being a real thing. Next up, we have some Redfall action. John, this is that vampire game that neither of us was super excited for. I have definitely come around. My teeth have gotten a little sharper on the side here uh, as I'm ready to sink my teeth into it when it does drop in May. On top of that, we got some updated information. I love that smirk. Uh, it'll support full crossplay between Xbox and PC. That's not a huge surprise in and of itself. It seems like the game industry is going that way more and more. Um, but it did say that it will be Windows, Steam, and Epic. To my knowledge, this is the first Xbox first party outside of maybe Minecraft to do that. Uh, it's usually included with Windows, Xbox consoles, and Steam, but the Epic Game Store also coming into here, I think, is a good sign for gamers moving forward. The big thing with gamers, if it's a multiplayer game, they want to be able to play with friends. They don't care if their friends are on PC, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, uh, a different store on PC. Accessibility is the key, and I think adding Epic here is a big move. And on top of that, this does give us some insight into Microsoft's idea of how these Bethesda published games are going to go. This is their first AAA published game since buying ZeniMax that didn't have a deal in place. So they did publish a few others, Ghostwire Tokyo and then Game of the Year award winner 
uh, for a few showcases in Deathloop. Both of those had agreements with Sony already in place, so they weren't really controlled by Xbox. Xbox just kind of honored that agreement. So this is kind of our first look at what they're doing with a game fully under their umbrella that is of that AAA status. And I think for gamers, this is a good place to be. Uh, ideally, we will see some of these go to PlayStation and Nintendo as well. Um, but with this being kind of a new IP, it's not a big surprise that it's going to be Xbox and PC exclusive. John, are you going to stick your teeth into some Redfall with me? Uh, Drive I'm a stick, stake through its art. I'm not sticking my teeth into anything you've already sunken your teeth into, Joey. No offense. I'm not doing it. No, <laughs> not going to happen. I think it'll be fun. Get a little action. There's, I think, four characters in there. Everyone's got their own little abilities. Kind of has that Left for Dead mixed with the amazing environmental storytelling that Arcane has given us in Dishonored and Prey. Uh, I think it is going to be kind of one of those underrated titles that a lot of people wrote off because it just looked like Fortnite meets Left 4 Dead at the initial launch, or the initial reveal, rather. And I think since then, they've kind of built on it quite a bit. There's different levels of um, partly difficulty, but partly like ways to approach things, taking stealth approaches or taking kind of all guns a-blazing and the way you approach different groups impacts the environment and how other groups react to certain things. And I love the reactionary stuff like that, and it reminds me a little bit I know it's a very different style of game, John, uh, but life is strange how different things you do in game impact the rest of the game. And while this isn't a straight direct like the conversations that that game has, this one will, if you kill off a leader in a certain area, you could see that area overgrown with a different uh, occultist regime or whatever. Uh, or if you take out a big vampire in one area, maybe you see vampires surge up in another area. So I do love the way Arcane kind of translates the environment based on what is going on in game and how the player uh, decides to play out their choices in the game as well. Next up, moving from Redfall, driving a stake into that topic, John, and moving our way over to Starfield. Uh, this is one that has been on both of our lists for quite a while now. Both very excited for this. Uh, have been since it was supposed to launch back in 2022 in November. Unfortunately, didn't make that launch date. Since then, we've been looking forward to a possible showcase. And then in January, we were told one should be just around the corner, and it would be a deep dive into Starfield itself. Again, Star stuff has not been something new in the gaming industry as of late. We've seen a number of different horror games go there, uh, including a Dead Space remake. On top of that, you have other games like Star Citizen that are doing exceptionally well at the moment. No Man's Sky, another one. Uh, so a lot of people are questioning, does Starfield really belong? along all these other games that have kind of already started to take in this genre and what can Todd Howard bring different to the table. Uh, I think these trailers continue to answer that, and as we get closer to that deep dive, we should hear even more. John, that deep dive is scheduled for June 11th, and on top of that, Xbox already answered a question, what will this mean for their summer showcase that's usually held on that same Sunday? They said, hey, the Starfield Direct will be directly after the Xbox Bethesda summer showcase. Um, John, what are you hoping to see in this deep dive that comes out in the summer? Uh, I want more content. I'm greedy. I, I want to see, um, you know, I want to see more in-game footage. I want to hear more information about the bajillion planets I can travel to. I want to know more about the in-game mechanics, uh, the storyline. Like, give me a little teaser. I want more is, is what I want. I want to know as much as I possibly can without ruining this game. I like it, and that is what I'm looking forward to. And on top of that showcase, we did get the release date for it, and John is running the trailer for those live with us here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. Uh, the release date is going to be a little bit later, not in the 12 months that they promised on the last showcase. Unfortunately, it does get a little bit of a bump, but just a couple months to September 6th. So early this fall, 
possibly alongside Spider-Man 2, which I think is set to launch in that same general window. We will be getting Starfield and setting sight on the stars in the thousand plus planets that Todd Howard has promised in that game as well. Uh, John, I like this, not necessarily because I like delays, but I like one that they're taking their time to clean up as many bugs as they can. It's a Bethesda game. There will be bugs. Uh, but overall, especially a game of this scale, I'm glad they're getting some extra time to graphically polish, to polish the bugs themselves up. And on top of that, it does avoid some kind of big games coming out in that June time frame. Again, you have Redfall in May, you have Legend of Zelda in that same kind of springtime window that people are still possibly going to be playing, you have Diablo 4 in that same general time frame, so there are a lot of big games kind of coming out in that late spring, early summer time frame, and I think Starfield moving its way to fall helps it avoid some of those big ones, especially storied franchises like Diablo that have been around for a decade now. Yeah, and as a gamer, it helps you space out your catalog a little bit, like Good gosh. Can you imagine if all these games dropped at the same time? How would you pick which one you played first? Like you would start a game and then like you get to a boring part in the game because every game has a boring part. And you're like, oh, I want to jump to another game. And you have four different other options you can jump to. So you're not like, oh, I want to stick through it. I want to play through the game. I want to get I'm going to see it get good again kind of thing. And you just jump to another one. It's good. It's good that this is being delayed. Not delayed. It's not being delayed at all. Its release date is going to be later. Uh, definitely avoiding all the other big titles as well. Uh, from a developer standpoint, makes a lot of sense. You'll probably end up selling more copies. From a gamer standpoint, thank you because my backlog is already massive as it is. Uh, so I get to wait a little bit longer <laughs> before I have to worry about clearing up some space to play Starfield. I mean, it's such a good point. And I mean, these games are not small, right? Like no. Skyrim was hundreds of hours. Starfield has over a thousand planets in it. Uh, you look at Diablo, that's like an endless game practically. Like, sure, the story ends at some point, but you can loot yourself into the end game for years on end, it feels like, with those games. Legend of Zelda, those are definitely not short either. That's probably going to be an 80-plus hour game itself. Uh, I mean, these are definitely some lengthy games, as you say. So that spacing for the backlog, the spacing for the gamer's mind, uh, especially the multiplayer gamer who wants to dabble in some single player here and there, that gives them a little bit more time to kind of uh, have that flexibility to play the multiplayer game that they're focused on, whether that be League of Legends, Valorant, Halo, whatever it may be, they can go back to it and still casually find their way into that first-person game without feeling the pressure of, hey, I got to get this done before the next one comes out. So I do think it is a good move. Again, I think Spider-Man probably releases around the same time. So if you're someone that does own a PC and a PlayStation or a PlayStation and an Xbox, you might have to make a tough choice come September. Um, but overall, I think a lot of gamers, uh, this will be a good spaced out launch for them, allowing kind of a nice clean fall with some big hits coming out as well. Next up, Paradise, or Paradise, Paradox Interactive's announcement show. Uh, they showed us a few different games. This was in partnership with Xbox. Uh, so all of these will be coming to Xbox as well as Game Pass, I believe, for all of them. Not 100% sure on that one. Uh, but two that have kind of been circling around on social media and that are worth highlighting here. The first is a new IP. That is the Lamplighters League. Uh, John, this game looks really cool to me. It is a turn-based action adventure style game. It kind of reminds me of, I think it's called the League of Explorers that Disney is looking to begin expanding on uh, a little bit more in upcoming years. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting. It kind of has that noir, jungly, Indiana Jones-like feel to it. You're kind of doing some exploring. On top of that, you have the tactical side of things with it being turn-based. Uh, I really love the art style. 
I think overall the uniqueness and kind of replayability that we've seen from it, again, with very limited knowledge of what the game's going on, just kind of going through articles as well as a little bit of footage that was shown. I definitely think this one's going to be on a lot of people's indie game radar for this year. Yeah, um, I think the first thing that came to my mind, you already hit on, is Indiana Jones when I look at this. Uh, it's It screams buff Harrison Ford in, in Indiana Jones <laughs> with this dude up front du- dual wheeling uh, some, some pistols and revolvers over here. Uh, it looks like they're breaking out of a ancient temple that the Nazis have, have gotten into and everything. It just, I don't know, it just has that feel to it. Um, yeah, I think it looks cool. I, I'd love to know more about it. It's a game that has my interest just from what I know. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out more later, I guess. Yeah, it's a cool one. So supposedly, just to give a quick little synopsis, you're chasing the Banished Court, which I believe is the enemy in this case, uh, through an alternate history in the 1930s from dockyards to deserts to jungles, both urban and wild. The article here from Insider Gaming writes, uh, you're recruiting new allies. Uh, you have all different levels of allies that are going to bring different skills and tactical abilities to the table. On top of that, you're scouring the globe for outlaws and outcasts as well that you can bring to your side or take down if they are part of that Banished Court. There's going to be missions that earn you different resources, as well as to upgrade and grow your abilities as you go. Uh, There's different infiltration options when you're kind of planning out tactically of how you maneuver your pieces or people or players, depending how you want to look at it here as well. So overall, I I feel like from gear to augmentations to strategy to art style, there is a lot that this game offers and a lot that a lot of people didn't really know were coming. I mean, this was definitely a game that really wasn't on my radar at all. I don't even know if I knew it existed uh, prior to this Paradox Interactive Showcase. So I'm glad that it is now out there. It's now one that a lot of people, uh, at least those who follow the indie scene, will probably keep an eye on moving forward. Next up, the other big game, and this one being a very popular franchise that a lot of people were looking forward to a sequel to, and that is Cities Skylines 2. Uh, Everything we know about this so far, it's pretty much going to be similar to the first one with a big graphical jump as well as some new features similar to what you get with a lot of different sequels out there. How can we take the success of the first game, which in this case was very successful, and continue to build on it and make it feel new and unique? Uh, And I feel like so far they've done a good job, at least in their limited ability to kind of say what they are trying to do there in this kind of quick showcase that they showcased it in. Um, But they're talking epic scale. They're saying this is going to be bigger than ever. Your city's up to 150 map tiles in a single city. What does that look like? That looks like a very dense city. Uh, So you're going to be able to build that out in a whole bunch of different ways. On top of that, they've kind of enhanced the weather systems as well, from hailstorms to tornadoes and forest fires. Uh, They were available from DLC packs in the original game. A lot of that now built in here in number two. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting, John. I've never been a big city builder type of person, Um, but overall I know the initial game was very, very popular. The second one, again, kind of being like that cult following of a lot of people waiting for this one to come out. I feel like while limited details are out there as of right now, I think people can guarantee that there's going to be some kind of graphic enhancement. But on top of that, a lot of these new features that they saw either added as DLC in the original game or were heavily requested features in the original game that maybe never made it into that one will possibly be coming here in number two. Yeah, I feel like this is a game that should have been around like back in the 1500s. Uh, when uh, people in the ancient times were uh, planning the cities that we currently live in around <laughs> the world because some of the layouts we got around these places are just absolutely awful. And you think you can do any better? I mean, good news. City Skylines 2 is coming out soon. Um, 
Joey, the, like the one thing I always do when I play things like this, like 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 Skylines or SimCity, is can I recreate? Not recreate. Can I improve the nightmare that is I ninety five meeting the I mixing knew you bowl? You say that <laughs> at in Springfield, where you have like thirteen major roads all crossing in the same freaking area, let alone that nightmare of confusion that is 495 495 slash 95 395 and 395 slash 95 uh that all takes place in a uh tenth of a mile in five different lanes that switch constantly uh there's got to be a better way to do it and joey i would like to call out the governments of virginia maryland and dc for not using this game or any city building games to plan that damn intersection any better yeah i mean they did such a good job with the metro system here How oh they not totally <laughs> that's a nightmare also <laughs> yeah there could definitely be some better planning uh, in this area la i think would argue new york probably too uh, definitely some of these major cities. Uh, the grid system works well in certain areas, but there are definitely some highways that could be restructured for sure. And yeah, we'll see. Maybe some people will rebuild DC. Maybe some people will build something completely new back in whatever time period you said you wish this existed in the beginning. 1500s. Uh, could, there you go. They could go build some 1500s. I don't know if roads necessarily. I mean, I guess there were dirt, dirt roads paths. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Mud um, bricks. Just put that down in the ground. I love it. So <laughs> we'll keep an eye on how that one goes. I didn't catch a release date on that, but it should be coming sometime in the future. Uh, again, I know a lot of you who played the original have been waiting for City Skylines 2. You can rest at ease that it is coming at some point in the semi-near future for you to build those dirt paths all the way to the I-95 redo. Okay, Hogwarts Legacy. This has been a game that has kind of been sweeping the world by storm, whether toxically or impressively, uh, over the last couple months. It has now hit a major patch that John is up there with what you and I call 2077, or Cyberpunk 2077, rather, uh, level of patches. It has 100-plus bug fixes in this one. Uh, I definitely said this game was very buggy every time we've kind of played it together in Discord chat, and I feel like I run into a new bug every single time. Well, now I have at least 100 less chances, uh, potentially, to run into these bugs. We don't know if these are full fixes or if these some of these are kind of reduced fixes, like less of a chance of me running my broom through a wall. Um, but overall, it does seem like they are making some progress as far as cleaning the game up. Uh, and I believe this was spanning all platforms. So a number of these for PC, a number of these for Xbox, and a number for PlayStation 5. Uh, unfortunately, with all this effort being put into the bugs as well, they have delayed the Xbox One and PS4 versions of the game. They've been delayed, I think, four times now with this most recent one. So it was supposed to come out, I believe, in early April. Now it's being delayed another month to May 5th. So not as long of a wait this time around, but it is another month to add in there for uh, those legacy players still on last-gen consoles. The Nintendo Switch version is still kind of sitting pretty somewhere around mid-July of this year as well. Now, in, in Hogwarts's defense here, the cyberpunk update was a lot longer than these notes. I mean, this is pretty long, though. It is. It is. It's, I mean, it's definitely a good long. But I feel like, I mean, it's only long because it's broken up by platform. But I, I feel like the almost 40 gig patch, if you will, that cyberpunk had, which is the size of most games now, 
That thing had a hella small font, too, if I remember correctly. It did, and it just yeah. went on forever. It went on forever. And a lot of stuff in here I'm happy to see. Mainly uh, on the uh, Series X version that I'm playing on right here. Cinematics. Fixed black flickering on characters' faces. It's oh, like, that drives me crazy. It's like parts of the 3D uh, face just randomly disappears. Uh, and fun fact... Uh, the bad guys are hollow on the inside. There's nothing there. Oh my um, gosh! So yeah, the black flickering though—it's almost like a strobe effect. I feel it like is. that could honestly be a danger for anyone who has that like seizure epilepsy kind of triggers. Um, so yeah, very glad to see that one taken care of. But yeah, there's quite a few in there. I know I run into a lot like when I'm flying on a broom or a beast. I usually run into a little bit more of uh, some of the bugs, I guess you could say, around trees and walls and things. Why are you flying around trees and walls? Because I like to cut it close, sir. You know, I like to and this swoop is, in. This is the reason why the courtside queen drives the car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, did I hear that the bugs for the Xbox will be patched next month? Pat, you heard right here that the bugs will be patched today. That update is now dropped. You can go update it on your console as of right now. And yes, it is very buggy, but um, the game is good. I don't know how far you guys have gotten over here in chat. A few of you guys talking about it. Uh, John is farther than me, I believe, still to my knowledge. I don't think I've even caught up uh, to where you were ahead of me before I left for Mexico. So you have uh, you got me at least by a major quest line, maybe a couple in there. Um, but overall, I feel like the game has been good so far. I feel like the diversity of spells and creatures and such have been good. The Freaking map is ginormous. Seriously, guys, if you've not seen the map, even if you're not interested in playing the game, check out the map. It kind of reminds me of like an Ubisoft, like Assassin's Creed style map. It's just a giant map. And then as you kind of unlock things, it gets covered in a bunch of different icons. It has that very much Ubisoft flair going with it uh, that a lot of people critique. But I think with Harry Potter being a newer setting for people in the video game world, it does allow some more freshness than people critique Assassin's Creed for. Um, but overall, John, I'm still enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, it's a fun game. Good good storyline. Um, kind of wish I'm playing it on PC, though, because some of the mods that are out there are insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just saw a mod today. Uh, if you use the killing curse on a teacher, like um, all the, uh, I'm blanking on the name, auras or orbiters or whatever they're called, the, the wizards that are like the police, if you will. But they, they show oh, up. Oh, the aurors, yeah. The aurors, yeah. They show up. And uh, they essentially throw you into Azkaban, which is pretty cool. It, like, like it's like Grand Theft Auto style. Like you have to try to like run away and everything. And if you get defeated, then you wake up in in, in jail. So it was it was kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, that is one cool thing with the PC community, and I think the Xbox community is going to start getting there. I don't know what PlayStation does with mod support, but I think one thing in the next decade or so we're going to see is a lot more mods on consoles. Probably Xbox and PC, or Xbox and PlayStation, um, but at least on Xbox, I know they're doing a lot of back-end tool setting for that. But like John said, the PC community has been in modding for, I mean, for really 20, 30 years. Yeah, so they definitely have a bigger mod community on PC, and it's probably going to be that way for a very long time. Uh, but with Xbox running on Windows, maybe it'll be a little bit easier to port that stuff over. I am not tech-savvy tech enough to know how all that porting works, um, but it is something to keep in mind as consoles continue to grow and as the modding community continues to grow as well so really cool stuff there next up just a few quick hits before we talk about some of this new existing or upcoming content in existing games rather uh, we have game pass additions 
First couple here, nothing too big. Dead Space 2 and Dead Space 3. I believe they're already on the console and PC edition. Now you can also have them on the cloud edition on the go uh, in case you want some horrific space zombie killing action to go on the bus ride. Uh, on top of that, Civ 6 is now included in Game Pass for console and PC. Uh, this is a big addition. Civ 6 has been out for a hot minute and I know think nothing new really. Civilization has been around for a very long time. Very popular series. But on top of that, we recently got a hint that Civ 7 is in the works, and now Civ 6 available to all those players on Game Pass to give it a try before 7 eventually makes its way out and Sid Meier's once again conquers the virtual world. We have Guilty Gear Strive, a popular fighting game out there. This is the first time I believe it's come to Xbox, or the first time at least in recent years, and it is a day one launch over here onto Game Pass for console and PC. Valheim, the popular game of, I think it was last year, maybe even the year before. Uh, it kind of swept the world by storm. I think it was 2021, actually, at this point. Uh, a big survival game, kind of with a Viking appeal to it, now has made its way to the console Game Pass version as well, already on the PC action of that. And then Nino Kuni 2, uh, really cool kind of JRPG take with... Um, it kind of has animation built in that feels like it's a game and an anime mashed together. This is the sequel of that a brand new release over here on Xbox and the day one edition of Game Pass. So again, a lighter month with only six titles here, but you do have some pretty big ones in Civ 6, Guilty Gear and Nino Kuni. Guilty Gear and Nino Kuni again being day one editions. And again, kind of showing Xbox's dedication to bringing more of those Japanese titles that they promised. Both of these making their way here as well. Next up is PlayStation. Sony has released a new PS5 update with Discord integration, 1440p improvements, and more. Uh, I think the real highlight here is going to be that Discord support. Uh, we've kind of tested a little bit. I think you have as well, John, but I've definitely tested on Xbox. Uh, I've enjoyed it so far. I think the integration is pretty clean. It's easy to pull up your Discord. You click on a server. Then from there, there's not channels in there as far as text right now, but it'll show any voice channels available within the server. You can see who's in the voice channels. You can click on them. Then from there, you have the ability to kind of customize the audio levels. So if you have someone like a T-Spans uh, who can get wild and loud, you can bring his volume down a little bit. And then if you have someone who whispers a little bit more like this, you can kind of pull their volume up. Uh, and it does allow for some of that customization on top of the basics like muting yourself uh, and such as that. Uh, but it's gotten pretty easy to use. It's pretty much one click to open Discord, another click to click the server, and another one to join the voice chat. So three clicks and you're in, making it so much easier for console players to play with PC players and back and forth. I think bringing Sony into that mix then opens up an even bigger layer because now you can go Sony to PC, Sony to Xbox, PC to Xbox, PC to Sony, and there's really a lot of different available options there, uh, especially for cross-play games like Fortnite, like Warzone, like Minecraft. I think connecting the gaming community through Discord is a great way forward. And I think this with ease of use, I don't know the features of the Discord version for PlayStation here on the initial launch, but overall I feel like it'll probably be paired with that Xbox One pretty soon if it isn't already a launch. Anything else to say on that Xbox front, good sir? You froze there for a second. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all good, all good. I was like, wait a minute, where did it go? Um, anything else to say on PlayStation and Discord, John, that you want to mention as far as gamers just being more connected altogether? Yeah, I think a lot of times the, the, the Discord client offers a better experience. I know like with the Xbox uh, party chat or whatever, um, I never had a good experience with it, whether it was on Xbox or the PC version of it. Um, 
it's always had issues with it. The sound wasn't all that great. Discord has pretty much become the golden standard when it comes to um, voice chat for gaming, unless it's a in in game uh, client that allows voice chat. Um, and I think it's smart. I, I think it's smart. It's smart to uh, partner up with the consoles. Uh, that way, you know, you connect more gamers and with games becoming more and more accessible and more uh, cross-platform availability in these gaming titles, Discord is a great unifier of all consoles and PC gamers uh, under one roof for voice chat. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's a huge win and I hope we eventually see it on Nintendo Switch as well. Uh, Steam Deck, I would assume, already has it, but I haven't really checked on that front. Um, but I think any way that you can connect everyone all together, you already have some of it with in-game lobbies. Again, Fortnite, Warzone, they all have voice integrated already. But on top of that, the ability to just make it even easier to play on that server that you already have your community built on, to have that ease of drop-in that some parties allow it on Xbox. I believe parties on PlayStation allow for drop-ins as well. Um, but overall, I think just Discord makes it a little bit more homey. And it has the ability with those text channels to really get to keep the community together and continue to grow that community outside of when you're just playing games together as well in voice. Next up, we have some new content dropping in existing games. We talked about quite a few of these a couple weeks ago. Now another nice size slate here coming in. First and foremost is Halo Infinite. Season 3 just dropped on Tuesday. We have a new weapon in the Bandit Rifle. Uh, no real scoping on this one and no descope either, which is a bit different for Halo. Uh, a lot of pros praising this one, hoping it will eventually be the pro weapon to start once it does get some enhancements. There's a new equipment called the Shroud Screen. Uh, for those who play Valorant, think kind of like a Valorant smoke grenade like you'd see from like a Brimstone or a Viper even. Uh, it's pretty cool. I think it adds a whole bunch of layers of tactics to where players can kind of throw it down to either cut off viewpoints or to kind of make sneaky escapes in certain ways. Uh, you have new maps in here. There's at least three at launch. Uh, I can't remember the names of them. Uh, one of them is Cliffhanger. That's going to be a new arena map kind of set on guests, right? Uh, yep, it's going to be a cliff. Uh, it's kind of like a Oni Black Site facility built into this cliff. It's a nice elongated map. It does have some of those lanes working, but also rooftops with an underground. You have Chasm, which looks like it's taken straight out of a Forerunner facility in the campaign. Not going to get into spoilers there, uh, but very blue-themed, very hexagon-pillared. Uh, it's a nice, like, two-lane route up top with a nice middle section as well. Uh, I think that's going to be a very fun one to play, at least from my experience so far. It has been uh, quite unique. And then there is another new map for the big team battle, folks. That one's the 12v12-style map. It's set on kind of like a red sand desert. I haven't had a chance to play this one, but a lot of people saying this is the best map of the three, uh, with all three getting some pretty high praise so far. On top of that, there's a new mode uh, for those who play Gun Game and Call of Duty. It's kind of Halo's take on Gun Game. Every single layer that you move up, you're going to end up getting a new primary, a new secondary, and new equipment to go with that. On top of that, they have a team-style version of it where your whole team has to work together to get different kills on each tier to then eventually move up to the next weapon. The final weapon, John, and this is a fun one. Uh, as it goes, it gets increasingly harder. So a lot of the games, you end up kind of moving in the opposite direction. You start with a power weapon, and then you kind of move your way down uh, or I mean, rather, you start with a pretty weak weapon and move your way up to power weapons. Halo takes the opposite approach. You're going to start with your strong stuff like a rocket launcher. And then as you move, you move all the way to the oddball is your final kill. So trying to melee people with a skull to get that final. Um, I think it's a fun take. And again, they've done some other new stuff, new armor cores, uh, tons of quality life improvements, narrative events being mixed in as well to kind of build on the story of Halo. 
But overall, I think the big thing a lot of people are looking at are weapons, equipment, maps, and modes. So far, at least at launch, it looks like they are going to deliver. And to many's relief, this will be the first Halo season uh, that's going to be in that three to four month time range, as opposed to those giant seasons like season two was about 10 months long. Uh, for a live service game that's unheard of, it's unreasonable. Uh, it seems like Halo and 343 might finally have their footing on this one. Is it enough to pull players back? John's going to say no. I'm probably going to lean that direction as well. Uh, I think they had too much misfortune at launch here. They pulled in 20 million players in the first couple weeks, but then since then they did drop the ball on the live service aspect. I think it's probably hurt them a little too much for the long term. Uh, they do have a huge influx of players coming back, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near that 20 million, unfortunately. Uh, overall, Season 3 does look fun, though, and I've quite enjoyed at least Gun Game, the new maps and modes, uh, and all that goodness so far with my little bit of touching with it. Joey, what are you talking about? The, the, this game has been has been brought back to life. It's like it's like uh, the people at three four three were watching The Last of Us, and they decided to inject a a uh, a fungus into this <laughs> game that that takes the game over and zombifies it, uh, and, and forces it to do something it's not used to, used to doing, which is being good. <laughs> um, it, it's it's absolutely in it. Joey, look, it looks great. It looks great. It, does it solve the problem of this game, though? Uh, no. Like the problem is, is is it's very hard not to compare this game to how Apex was handled when Apex first came out. Uh, you know, they dropped the ball after thirty days. Player count started to go down. It took them forever to start releasing more content for a live service game. It's gonna take a while to win people back. Uh, the the nostalgic factor for Halo has worn off like like it does with all games that that rely on nostalgia uh, to bring people in. Yes, the hype around this game was massive. Yes, the hype around multiplayer was even bigger for a very good reason. The problem is is anytime you promise a live service game, you have to deliver. And with with everyone's time being fought for, whether it's other video games, whether it's streaming services, whether it's going outside and touching grass, Every second of our lives is being fought for by something else. You have to give a reason for people to keep coming back to your product. That's something 343 dropped the ball on. Um, dropped the oddball on. Hey. Because uh, if I didn't say it, you were going to say it, Joey. I knew it. I could feel it. Uh, so, like, that's the thing. Like, the, the game was okay. The game is still Okay. It's not above and beyond other games out there that are like it. Uh, then on top of it, uh, yes, exactly what Squirkle said in chat. On top of it, the the uh, uh, issues with running the game on PC. Joey, you and I were both in Raleigh for the uh, Raleigh tur the the Raleigh um, uh, HCS uh, event last year, and it was a nightmare. There were so many game five or map five uh, crashes or map seven crash, uh, crashes, whatever it was. And, and again, I told the story once. I'll tell it again. Joey, we left to go get dinner, came back, and it was still map five. Yeah. And it was like an hour and a half later. Like that didn't help that the pro scene was suffering with it because the normal people scene was suffering with it, too. It didn't make anybody feel good. And 343's response. And again, I understand that the people of 343 are working hard at this game. I get that. I'm not trying to like demolish uh, or tarnish anything that they have done. But the problem is, is that you cannot put out an unfinished game that is unstable. 
it wasn't that long ago, Joey, where these games are coming out on CDs and on cartridges where the game had to be 100% finished or any bug that was in there is in there forever. There was no patching a cartridge. A cartridge. There was no patching a CD. I feel like, again, my, it's my own personal opinion, that developers have gotten a little lazy with the idea of we can put out a game that's 80% finished, that has bugs, that has stability issues, because we can release patches in 30 days, in 60 days. And we as gamers have become used to that, and it's now, I would argue, borderline acceptable for most people until you get to games like Halo. These big games that have multiple tentacles reaching out to different gamer groups out there, whether it's eSport fanatics or whether it's people that love the video game of Halo and they're there for the nostalgia, or whether it's new people being introduced to Halo. You cannot give that kind of impression. And that's what happened here, and it's going to take them a while to recover. This is a step in the right direction. Is it enough to bring a lot of people back? No. Will it bring some people back? Absolutely. But not enough for 343 to really see a major improvement. They need to keep doing this. Put out a, a plan. Put out a plan of what, what is the end goal for this game. Not the end goal, but what's the goal for the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Give a roadmap. Keep updating it. Keep the dialogue open. That is how you keep people entertained with your game and engaged with your game. If they know what is coming down the road, there's a bigger likelihood that they're not going to uninstall the game like I did. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I think you make some really good points there overall, and I think that's a lot of what it comes down to. As far as developers go, I know we can critique the devs, um, but I think the other layer here falls on the management side of things, partly on Microsoft, partly on the studio heads over there at I was going to say Bungie at 343i. Uh, and we've seen a lot of them cut and let go and move on um, from Bonnie on down. And I think that overall is going to be the biggest change over there. We've seen 343 put out, I would argue, some of the not greatest games. Uh, Halo 4, Halo 5, a lot of criticisms for both of those. Halo Infinite, while pulled in massive players at the initial launch, did end up with quite a lackluster, I mean, really terrible to be completely honest live service uh, for the first year or year and a half at this point uh, I think they're finally getting that right direction now again cutting those significant staff changing the way the structure worked giving a little bit more power to individual developers unfortunately there were quite a few caught up in the layoffs that Microsoft had overall as well um, but it does feel like this game is finally progressing there's something like 20 maps in the works right now there's a ton of narrative stuff in the works uh, it sounds like they are kind of getting their feet under them and eventually hitting that seasonality of that three to four month season that everyone was hoping they'd eventually hit. And I think they're getting there. You have new weapons, new guns. Again, the maps are coming. So I feel like everything is in place. It just comes down to that. Is it too little too late? And I think this is going to pull in thousands of people. Uh, I think you're going to probably have 50,000 or so plus come back to the game with this update. But 50,000 compared to the 20 million or so that they had is still a very, very small number. And while this could even bring back hundreds of thousands of players, if the success is still there in a couple weeks, I don't see it pulling back in crazy millions like we additionally saw with that launch. Uh, on top of that, a lot of the games we're comparing this to have a big mode, and it's Battle Royale. I mean, Apex Legends, Fortnite, uh, Warzone, a lot of these games that people compare Halo to, including ourselves in the podcast just moments ago, uh, it doesn't have a Battle Royale mode. Is a Battle Royale mode enough to pull players in? No one really knows, because Halo in and of itself is a smaller IP. 
It's not available on PlayStation, not available on Nintendo Switch like some of these other ones are, not available on mobile devices. We know Fortnite makes bank over their own mobile devices. Uh, so I think that's one thing as well. If they release a Battle Royale mode, is that enough to pull people in? I think the other big turnoff on top of like the crashes that Squirkle mentioned uh, and on top of the lack of content that we've hit, it feels like time and time again when we talk about this game, uh, is really the overall ability for PC players to compete with console players. Uh, I think the controller is a bit too strong in Halo, and I think that's how a lot of people want it to be, right? Like, it's a console game, like Call of Duty, a lot of the pro scene runs on controller, uh, a lot of people end up preferring controller for games like these, but I think for a game to really um, be competitive in the overall scape, especially wanting to continue to move toward PC more, like in Apex Legends, like a Fortnite, you kind of have to find that happy medium between turning down that heavy aim assist that controller has and making it a little bit more mouse and keyboard friendly, but also you walk a fine line because then you can also piss off all your legacy players like those COD and Halo pros that have played on controller for so many years. So I think that's really one of the other issues with 343. And I hate, I mean, it feels so bad for them, right? Because they're also stuck in the loop of we want sprint. We don't want sprint between the old Halo veterans and like the new age Halo players that like stuff like sprint and the Halo 5 pistol. Uh, and all these kind of like newer, flashier movement mechanics, and trying to hit that sweet spot in between for both controller and PC audiences, for veterans of Halo, and the newer age Halo, on top of all the uh, the Gen Zers with very small attention spans as well going on. It is a very, very tough time to be a developer, especially a developer of a legacy IP. So I feel for them on that front. Uh, I think congratulations to the team on putting out a very strong season three. Again, it does have its bugs. It does have its issues, but I think they're moving in the right direction. And I hope they at least can pull more players back. Again, I've never really had an issue with queue time. So thankfully that's been a thing. But I know some of the other countries, especially in Europe and Australia, uh, have been hit with some pretty big queue times. Hopefully they're able to expand the IP over there and bring in some more players to cut down on those queue times and increase the stability a little bit more as well. Okay, next up, Sea of Thieves. We have Season 9 incoming. Not going to touch too, too much on this one. Uh, it is a pretty general season. There is some nice content that they're going to throw in, and we'll put it on the video here shortly. Uh, Chests of Fortune are one thing. Skulls of Destiny. Uh, there's better event world or world event scaling. I think this is one of the things that we've always been interested in, John. Uh, when we were playing quite a bit of Sea of Thieves, it's like, how can this event be better for one person versus three people or be a little bit more challenging when we have a full galleon going at it? And I think this is one thing that this update seems like it's going to address quite a bit of. On top of that, you get the basic more cosmetics. Any game that's live service that has updates is going to bring some new flashy cosmetics and Sea of Thieves does not disappoint in that deployment. At that deployment, that department rather. Um, overall, you get some new pets, you get some new ship cosmetics, some new uh, content as well across the board. So I'm excited. Again, I don't think it's like a ground changing or wave sh shifting update per se, um, but I do think it is some nice quality of life once again coming to Sea of Thieves, uh, which has been going strong for quite a few years at this point. Ahoy, matey. Anything else to say on that starboat front? Yeah, I'm just watching this video because I haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, there's some interesting changes that they're bringing in. Um, you know, I, I I love Sea of Thieves. It's it's a really fun game. Uh, I just wish there was a strictly PVE mode. I, I get it's a PvP game. I, I fully accept that. That that's not an issue uh, in the long haul. Uh, but I feel like there's so many great storylines and things you can do that are PVE uh, that you can do multiplayer-wise on here as well. Um, 
with like having a full crew, doing some PVE missions, going exploring, taking on challenges that I feel like a lot of people just won't do because of the open world PVP aspect that's constantly going on at the same time. Um, I just, I, I, I mean, don't have it count towards PVP achievements. Like, just have a PVE server for people to play. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's just me. But uh, I do know there's a good chunk of the community that does want the uh, the story and the lore to be explored a little bit more and a little bit easier to maintain without having people camp your ship uh, and then camp the one cave you have to go into to find whatever to complete your tall tale or whatever. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's something a lot of people have been asking for for quite a while, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually address that with some kind of PVE option or a smaller PVP server or whatever the case may end up being. But yeah, at least for Tall Tales, I feel like that would be a good addition to kind of allow a little bit more of the story aspect to flow through on that front without too many people interrupting. Okay, next up, League of Legends, John. Uh, a game we dabbled in after last week's level up stream to quite a bit of success, I feel like, overall. Uh, we have a new champion hitting the Seas, uh, the Seas, the Summoner's Rift. Uh, the <laughs> I know, Sea of Thieves still in the mind, obviously, uh, ladies and gentlemen, pirates alike. Uh, Milo, or Milio, rather, is going to be the new hero champion to come into League of Legends. Uh, Milio is going to be an Enchantress style support, so someone that fills a role like a Soraka that is kind of mainly based on buffing and healing, uh, particularly the AD carry in the bot lane, at least during the laning phase of the game, and then the rest of the team as rotations do occur. Running through the kit here, while John does play the champion reveal video on stream, the passive is fired up. Milio's abilities enchant allies untouched, making their next spell or attack deal a burst of extra damage and burn on the target. Uh, overall, pretty basic. I think it's a good play, again, for a bot lane hero where you're tagging the enemy and then the ADC is able to deal a little bit extra damage because of that initial tag. Moving into the Q, we go a little FIFA World Cup style here with an ultra mega fire kick. Kick a ball that knocks back an enemy on hit. The ball bounces behind the target, damaging and slowing enemies in the area upon impact. Uh, nice looking ability, just pretty straightforward. Kick the ball, bounces up, does a little bit of damage, bada bing, bada boom, and then there's a nice slow at the end for chasing someone down as well. Good for target picking, uh, good for nice little poke action as well. We have W, the Cozy Campfire. Uh, this ability could end up being quite broken, in my humble opinion. Now, again, I am not a high ELO player, um, but I do enjoy my uh, watching of high ELO players, I guess we could say, uh, with the pro scene as well as with some streamers. This one, to me, is one that catches my eye. It creates an empowering zone that heals allies and increases attack range for those inside of it. The zone follows the ally nearest to the cast point. Uh, this, to me, could be broken, especially paired with an AD carry like Caitlyn. Uh, you pair with Caitlyn or Ash, who already have crazy high attack range. Uh, even a late game Tristana, who be it super strong late game and increases her attacks or attack range rather with her passive. This will increase it even more. Uh, you throw a Runon's Hurricane on top of that and hit three targets at once. I feel like this could be hella broken. Um, but again, on top of that, it does do healing. So not only does it increase that attack range, but it is going to heal them through in case someone tries to jump on them in the back line as well. And it moves. Quite broken. 
Uh, e is warm hugs. Milio tosses his shield at an ally, temporarily increasing their movement speed. Uh, so this is pretty basic. You have a lot of different champions with this style of ability. It's a quick shield, a little movement burst. Uh, nothing absolutely insane, but to dodge some of those skill shots like an Ezreal Q, uh, an Elise Cocoon, whatever it may be, to kind of lock down that AD carry, this allows a little bit more shielding and a little bit more movement to try to dodge those projectiles. So again, another really good supportive ability. Last but not least is the R, the ultimate ability that does end up impacting the most in a lot of these champion kits. For those who don't follow League of Legends as much, this one, Breath of Life, Milio unleashes a wave of soothing flames that heal and remove crowd control effects from allies in range. Uh, John, Amumu, goes in with his ultimate or her ultimate. I don't really know what gender Amumu is actually now that I'm thinking about it, um, but Amumu goes in. Do mortals in. have genders? Uh, yeah, it's a great question as well. Uh, Timo is a little demon, but I don't know if that has a gender attached with it either. <laughs> um, but moving forward, Amumu, his ult, he can go in and kind of root everyone in place and stun them on top of it. So he just jumps in, a big circle appears around him and no one can move. Melio is going to be the opposite here. He can throw this circle that kind of breaks everyone out of that. So if Amumu pops his ult, Melio's right on the edge of it. He can move right in, pop his ult, and then everyone is instantly out of that Amumu ult, clears the CC. This is a giant ability, and again, this one is going to be borderline broken in my opinion. So much of League of Legends, especially team fights, rely on the way crowd control is played out if it's not a pick composition. And with this ability to kind of wipe out the crowd control, again, as long as you're not caught in it, if you are caught in that Amumu ult or that crowd control, this ability does not work. But if you're on the outskirt of it, if you play your positioning well enough, this one can completely clear that CC and turn a team fight around big time. So Milio is going to be one to watch when he eventually hits the rift. I actually really like the kit of this champion quite a lot. I do too. Um, it's clean. And the effects look yeah, nice. Yeah, it's clean. It's, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, right with their 827th character now, um, you know, is it unique? No, not necessarily, but they're kind of, they're kind of finding new ways to use old skills to just make it a little bit more mm, new. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think they're starting to run out of ideas when it comes to how to make champions. Uh, so again, while the skills are comparable to a lot of other caster type supports out there. I don't know. I feel like they did a really good job at trying to like make them a little different, a little bit more unique, and, and using the visual effects really helps out with that. And plus, Joey, I'm scrolling down here. This launch skin also that come that uh, is going to come out is freaking epic. Like that is so cool. I, I love what they are doing with these skins, making it like the splash art is incredible. Uh, the in-game skins look great. A lot of different color combinations, bright variants of these other. Uh, of these other skins for these characters it's it's just cool and we all know i have an obsession with buying uh luck skins and everything else so you know this is just going to be if i ever do go back to playing league of legends to spend money this is probably going to be a skin i'll buy too hey there we go yeah i think this will be a fun one to play you and i to do a little support action with some milio here and there uh, again i think if you're someone who does play League of Legends, if you're a support or if you're planning to play with support, hey, if you play on Summoner's Rift, you're probably going to play with a support. Uh, it is definitely worth keeping an eye on both the W and R for Milio. 
Again, the W, that circle that has healing and increased range, and then the R that has the ability to wipe out CC are going to be big game changers uh, when he does eventually launch. And again, given the, the record of Riot on champion launches, they typically release the champion broken, so a lot of people spend their blue essence or their Riot points to pick them up, and then they will patch them about two to three weeks down the line and bring them back into the balance level they probably should be at. Uh, so if you do want to jump in while Milio is broken, get ready to do so as he drops, I believe, in the next patch. Sticking with Riot and heading to their other game that's also releasing a new agent, this one coming with Episode 6, Act 2 of Valorant. It is going to be Gecko making the mix here. Uh, Gecko looks very interesting. It kind of reminds me of the Pokemon Trainer of Valorant. Uh, all of his abilities, similar to what we see with Sky, do use little um, kind of like animal-esque type of things to deliver them and to make them happen. The Q is going to be Wingman. He's going to equip the Wingman, fire, sending that Wingman forward, seeking enemies. The Wingman unleashes a concussive blow toward the first enemy he sees with an alt-fire alt ability rather that allows for targeting a spike site or planted spike to have the Wingman diffuse or plant the spike. That, to me, is one of the biggest parts of this kit. Uh, the fact that you can have someone else, this little pet that's not one of those five players, go in and potentially plant or defuse a spike, that allows all of your players to keep their angles in game, which is such a crucial part of Valorant. And on top of that, you can still get that vital plant, that vital defuse, or at least make the sound effect so the enemy has to check where that bomb is at that point. Love that ability. Next up is E-Dizzy. You equip Dizzy and fire to send Dizzy soaring through the air. Dizzy charges, then unleashes Plasma Blast at enemies in line of sight. Enemies hit by her Plasma are blinded. When Dizzy expires, she reverts into a dormant globule. Interact to reclaim the globule. Uh, think Flash Grenade. This is pretty much how it's going to work. It comes up there instead of a flash. Your screen is going to get painted with this bluish color. Uh, and you're not going to be able to see very clearly. So you can shoot, you can spray and pray. It's just going to be a little bit harder to be accurate once Dizzy hits your screen. You have Mosh Pit as well. Mosh Pit's going to be kind of like your Molly-like ability for those who know Brimstone. Uh, equip Mosh Fire to throw Mosh like a grenade. And then Alt Fire to throw the underhand grenade. So you kind of have the ability to throw it over a wall or under a wall, depending on the distance you want to send it. And then as a Molly goes, it's going to have somewhat of a burning effect on the ground. But then after a short amount of time, this one will explode. And that's where the real heavy damage of the Mosh Pit kind of Molly ability is going to come through. And then last but not least, we have the ultimate, the X-Ability Thrash. Equipping Thrash, again, another one of these Pokemon-esque little creatures, uh, to link with Thrash's mind and steer her through enemy territory. It looks like Thrash is kind of like a little fish-looking character. Uh, you're activating it to lunge for it and explode. This is similar to the dogs, I believe, that Sky has, if I remember correctly. This one, however, detains any enemies in a small radius. So it's a little bit of like Sky's dog ability that kind of runs and lunges forward, but then it mixes with Killjoy's ultimate ability, detaining them so that they're not holding a gun. They're kind of in that shocking effect. So you can go through and allow someone to clear them out, either you or a teammate, after popping this ability. This kit overall, again, I'm not someone who plays Valorant regularly at this point. This seems pretty broken. Uh, overall, there's quite a bit of uh, utility built in as far as getting information, uh, setting up points, whether it be through the molly to kind of keep people off of an area for a certain amount of time. You have the ability to kind of fake the plant or fake the diffuse or to actually do the fake or diffuse or to do the plant or diffuse rather uh, as you hold those angles. You have the ability to kind of flash people as you enter on a site. And now you have this giant fish thing that can detain them and set people up for easy kills for yourself or your allies. Um, John, again, not a regular player of Valorant, but this seems like a pretty darn strong kit to me.
yeah, cool kit, cool looking character. Uh, everything about it is cool. Again, I mean, Riot gets what they're doing. Like they have a recipe for success, and I think they just knocked it out of the park with two new characters in their two main games. Uh, yeah, I mean, both kits look incredible. Both kits look incredibly overpowered. Um, but hey, until they fix it, enjoy it, exploit it, use it for fun, enjoy a broken champion or hero at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think they're crushing it. They're doing a good job. Love it. So even though it is a little Pokemon-esque, I do think overall it is a nice kit. I think Gecko, if it follows the line of what we've seen with the League of Legends, especially looking at a kit like this, you'll probably be a little bit broken up front. Um, but again, with an FPS game, it does rely a lot on those aiming skills as well. So someone like John or I can't just go in there and just absolutely dominate with this kit, even with it being powerful, because we would have to hit the heads and click those heads, hit those shots, hit those angles, uh, something that we are not necessarily the best at when it comes to Valorant. Speak for yourself. Oh, I do. I speak for both of us. <laughs> Myself and you included. Uh, sticking with Valorant, but moving to the esports side of things, they recently had their lock-in tournament, their kickoff of the Valorant 2023 season. This one happening in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, we have the lock-in champions, and they are Fnatic. Uh, John Fnatic has been grinding their way to the championship. They've rebuilt this roster a couple times over the past couple years, Boaster being the captain over there. Uh, just five years ago, he was a CSGO content creator. Then from there, the dream of being a pro became a reality when Valorant became a launch game. He moved on over, built a team that eventually got bought up by Fnatic. Both him and the coach moved over, as well as a number of the original players, not many of whom are still there today outside of coach and Boaster. Um, but Mini and Boaster kept with it. They continued to build this team. They pulled in Durka, who has been an absolute superstar in the Valorant scene. And then this year made three additional changes, uh, pulling in some other players, including Leo, who is this year's match MVP, uh, on top of Chronicle, who is now the first two-time champion in Valorant. Uh, John, this was quite a great tournament. Overall, some really impressive stuff from Loud, who ran the other side of the bracket, Fnatic on this side of the bracket. Uh, Fnatic took down Sentinels, Furia, uh, 100 Thieves, Nana's Vincier, also known as Navi for many of you who follow the FPS scenes out there, and then eventually Loud in the finals 3-2. to two. Uh, John, this finals was crazy. Probably one of the best FPS finals I have seen in recent years. Fnatic went up 2-0 in an all-Brazilian-filled stadium practically, 90, 95% of so, I would say, in the audience were Brazilian based on just the colors and the yelling. Um, overall, an insane arena to play in as an away team. To get up 2-0, I think, is a huge feat. But then Loud, the Brazilian team, did find their way back in it, tied it up 2-2, and then eventually took, I believe it was 11-2 or 11-3 lead in the final part in map 5. But then Fnatic somehow found that hero moment, found a way to grind back from the impossible, eventually tying things up at 12-12, and then winning the match out. I think 14-12 was the final on map 5. Uh, so a huge moment there, again, for a team that has kind of been grinding it out for two years, made a few changes here and there, and eventually moved forward. And to do it, not only to do it after all that hardship initially with the roster changes, but to do it in Brazil against an amazing team in Loud, uh, I think is a huge really spoken to the fanatic infrastructure there of how they've rebuilt it a lot better than what we've seen on the league of legends side uh in recent years but on top of that to riot as well i mean the production value of the tournament we always say when it comes to esports no one is really on par with riot games and they once again prove it again a really good tournament by them and an up-and-coming scene in valorant that just continues to grow both viewership wise as well as popularity 
Yeah, so so for our listeners out there, three things you can always count on when you tune in to level up. Um, you're going to have Joey puns. You're going to have Xbox propaganda. And anytime Fnatic does something, <laughs> you can bet your butt it's going to be on the show. Uh, congratulations, Joey, uh, on, on Fnatic winning the Valorant Championship. Uh, really, really cool. It, it was. It was a good, uh, it was a good event. It was, it was a great finals. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, it's, it's great to see Fnatic doing well in Valorant. Uh, Valorant is an exciting scene. Uh, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun to watch the, the VOD. Uh, I did not catch it live, but it was really cool to see uh, some of the highlights from the VODs. Really, really cool stuff. Valorant's really pulling together a, a world-class uh, esports scene, and granted, it's being backed by Riot, shocker, uh, who's had a lot of practice with League of Legends. They know what works and know what doesn't work. Uh, and, and Valorant is starting to reap those successes from those trials and errors, and they're putting on a good product. It's putting on a really, really, really good product. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Fnatic wins. That's that's good for Valorant because it's a big-name esport organization that wins. And it's good for Fnatic because, like Joey said, their League of Legends team, which is what they're normally known for, a little bit on the struggle bus uh, recently. So uh, it's good for Fnatic. It's good for Valorant. It's good for esports. Yeah, agreed. I think there were a lot of big pluses. And again, being one of the best FPS matches in esports in recent years, uh, I think that really pulled in a lot of people. And probably some of those people who kind of teeter on, do I really want to get into Valorant? Do I even want to follow the esports scene? I think this probably convinced some people to at least check it out for another tournament. Speaking of which, that next tournament... So on top of winning about 100000 of the $500,000 prize pool, Fnatic also earned an additional team spot for their region over there in Europe, and they will be going to the Masters event next as the Valorant scene moves its way to Tokyo, Japan later this year uh, for the Masters event over there. Quite a few teams will be at that one as well. I believe it's the top from every region on top of a few other teams that get sprinkled in uh, based on seeding of those regions. Again, Europe now getting another one of those teams as well. So really cool stuff happening in Valorant, really cool stuff happening uh, in esports, even with the bubble seeming to burst across a number of scenes. There are quite a few scenes like the Valorant scene that have continued to move their way forward, and we'll see how they continue to develop over the year of 2023 ahead. Other than that, John, I think that just about wraps up today's show. Uh, there's been a couple other updates like with Activision, Blizzard, and Microsoft, but we don't want to do those updates every single week. So we'll keep that drama on the DL until we do see some other stuff on the front. I believe the UK should be coming out and meeting with Sony, Sony here uh, in the next couple weeks. And then from there, decisions will be made for both the UK CMA as well as the EU's commission uh, sometime in, er, I think it's mid to late April, if I remember correctly. And depending on how those decisions go, then we'll roll into the FTC decisions, uh, which the court case is preliminary set for August, but it could end up moving up depending how EU and UK end up ruling on the case. So we'll keep an eye on that as well as any other gaming news that comes. Uh, again, March should be a good month for gamers. I think there's still some surprises to come later this month. And as we move into April, quite a few new game releases to look forward to as well. Absolutely. Enjoy the NBA 2K League started tonight. Uh, just throwing that out there as well. Not like I'm invested in anything <laughs> here. Um, yeah, 3v3 uh, part of the season started tonight as well. Uh, for those that are fans of WizDG, shameless plug. Uh, they tip off tomorrow uh, around 6 o'clock for their 3v3 uh, game against the Knicks. And then they have a second game later that night, I believe, right around 730 uh, for uh, I believe that is up against uh, Warriors Gaming Squad. So check out the WizDG Twitch for that, and you'll see my ugly face on there uh, as well uh, as I'll be uh, 
coming back for my fourth year doing play-by-play there. It's going to be a lot of fun, Joey. Yeah, buddy. Um, and uh, we're going to live negotiate this on the podcast, too. Uh, next week, they have a Thursday game also. Uh, so so I, th- I think we need to, to bump the show to uh, a Wednesday again next w. week, if that works for you. Uh, yeah, I think when that should work. come back from being frozen. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't even know I am. You're all good to go on my end. Okay, so Wednesday next week Yeah, is fine. I think I haven't looked at my calendar, but I think that should be fine. So we will tentatively yeah, plan cool. on 8 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Cool stuff. So I'm going to update my notes here real quick because without them, I will just say a bunch of random stuff here. Uh, Jerry, uh, anything else before we wrap it up tonight? I think that does it. I'll probably hang out in Discord for a little while after the show, but that does wrap it up for gaming esports news this week. All right. Well, Nation, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Level Up Live. Before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch. You catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to our show on the podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those Absolutely. Ways? Level up, faithful. Level up, nation. Head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is L-V-L-U-P Live. In addition to that, you can follow the umbrella company, OTN Media, as well. Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media, as well as on Instagram at OTN underscore Media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even a Twitch Prime sub over here on Twitch. For those checking out the live show, that's twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show typically Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. But as John said, next week we will be moving to Wednesday. So check us out Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. All right, make sure you tune in next Wednesday. That is March 15th as we continue to cover latest and greatest in gaming and esports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We will catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, Level Up. up.